This episode of the Blue Hawaii Podcast is brought to you by Homebrew in Paradise. Homebrew in Paradise. For all your brewing needs, whether beer, wine, fermented food, cider, or etc. Et cetera. You can find it here at Homebrew in Paradise. Last weekend, I got hammered off about maybe a handle of et cetera. Homebrew in Paradise. If you are struggling with et cetera addiction, contact Please your doctor. <laughs> I'm Leilani Poli Ahu, Ahui Ho. Holy, 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 President of the Hawaii Construction Alliance, which represents the state's 15,000 member strong carpenters, laborers, cement masons, bricklayers, and operating engineers unions. Tyler is also a candidate for Honolulu City Council District 6, which stretches from Makiki up through Kalihi and down to Aiea. But most importantly, he's a millennial, just like us. He was also named Pacific Business News' prestigious 40 under 40 for the class of 2015. Tyler Dos Santos Tam, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks for having me. Yeah, we're, we're happy to have you. Now, quick question. Uh, we were just talking about uh, your, your Filipino heritage. Now, Dos Santos means two saints, right? Yeah, so Dos Santos is actually a Portuguese name. Okay. So um, in Portuguese, it means of the saints. It's the same as De Los Santos, and there's a lot of De Los Santos this year. So um, my name has been butchered left and right. Uh, uh, we're just the latest De Los line Santos, the- Tam. <laughs> and then, a long you know, line of proud white yeah, people. Proud you can't say your name correctly. Um, but, you know, this is actually probably a good segue to talk a little bit about my background. Yeah, um, please. Like a lot of uh, local people, I'm... Uh, uh, of mixed ancestry, chop suey, whatever you want to call it. Okay. Uh, Dos Santos is Portuguese, Tam is Chinese, and I'm also part Filipino and Spanish. Um, and that, I think, is uh, quite the recipe, I guess, for local politics. Yeah. You know, a lot of people uh, are, are of those backgrounds, and I love connecting with them. Um, and it it's a great conversation starter. Yeah. How did you get into politics? That's a great question. Um, you know, I've it's it's always been something that I've been interested in, uh, and I think growing up, you're sort of always told, you know, you should find a way to give back to the community, and you know, find something that's rewarding. And where did you grow up? Um, so I grew up in Aleva Heights. It's the heart of District Six. If you were to look at it a map, it's pretty much in the center. Um, I tell voters at the door that I actually grew up on the same street as Natsunoya Tea House, and a lot of people have been up there for a grad party, or retirement party, or a milestone birthday. And immediately people say, oh, yeah, yeah, I know that place. And That's a nice view. Yeah, yeah, it is. And we, um, you know, it really was a blessing to grow up there. Uh, I'm the oldest of three brothers. Um, both my brothers live on the mainland. And I feel like that's a very, like, millennial Hawaii thing yeah. to um, have not only relatives on the mainland, but, you know, relatives who can't come back to Hawaii. Now, both your brothers would come back if they could? Um, I think my youngest brother would in a heartbeat. He loves to surf and paddle and, and all of that. Um, but the pay is so much better up there. My middle brother is, uh, he lives in Tacoma. He's three years younger than me, but bought like a four bedroom house. And, and we asked him like, why, why, why do you buy a four bedroom house? It's just you. Like he, he's single and you know, just all that. And Cause I can, cause I like to party. Well, the, the real answer was they don't build houses smaller than four bedrooms in like the town that he lives in. I was like, that's so crazy. That's that's not a very Hawaii problem. Right. No. And and here we are here in Hawaii yeah. and like people, you know, are, are crammed into, uh, you know, into an unair conditioned basement. Yeah. Recording just, a podcast like right now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, we're doing Hashtag we're millennial problems. <laughs> so speaking of millennial, I mean, 
one of the reasons that we're so excited to have you on is the fact that you are a millennial running for office and sort of the first wave of millennials to do that in Hawaii. I mean, we don't have very many true millennial elected officials right now. Um, and you, you've already mentioned some of the problems that, that your brothers had uh, in wanting to come back and, and just how hard it is to exist here. What are you going to do to help make it better? Yeah, well, you know, at, our tagline for our campaign is energy, vision, and aloha. And I think those are values which uh, millennials have in abundance, a lot of energy to start things up, crazy ideas like a podcast or, uh, you know, starting your own business or um, what have you. And, and then vision, I think recognizing that we on this island and in the state have, have a number of problems which just really haven't been addressed in, in a comprehensive way. Um, I'm really glad to see uh, millennials stepping up, and I'm hoping that through uh, my campaign and through the campaigns of, of many of the other young people running, that we, we really get young people's voices in there uh, stepping up. I'm very proud that uh, my campaign is led by young people, not only myself, I'm 30, uh, my campaign manager is 25, um, our communications uh, gal is 33, um, you know, we're bringing on some college interns and uh you know, many others who have, who have stepped up. If you join, if you look at our sign wavings in the mornings or afternoons, it's um, a lot of young people uh, sharing their energy with with the poor drivers stuck yeah. in traffic all day long. If I was going to recommend uh, another quality that millennials have in abundance, if you're taking energy, vision, aloha, might I recommend crippling student debt? Oh, um, uh, too soon. <laughs> incredible fear of the future. Uh, also too soon. Anxiety about the yeah. present. Yeah. So if, if millennials have so much energy, why do we get such a bad rep? You know, I, I'm not sure. You know, it's, I think millennial in, in some ways is like almost a slur. I mean, kids like, these days. In a lot yeah, of ways, yeah. Right? yeah. 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 Kids like, these days in their avocado toast. Yeah. And, the, the, uh, you know. the, the guy who won't move out of his parents' basement, they took him to court. And so that guy is going to be the avatar for how, well, it's really, millennials are all lazy and useless. It's not, you know, that the people in charge have been wrecking the economy for the past hundred years. Right. What yeah. do we do? Yeah, you know, well, there's there's a lot to be done uh, on the economy front, but you know, it's not just millennials who will benefit from a stronger economy here. You know, I've met so many people, older people who, you know, should be retired but still work two jobs. Um, in fact, this morning I was sign waving out in Wanalua Valley. Um, a nurse's aide who was working the night shift came back home to like switch out her car so yeah. she could go to her next job at like seven a.m. And I was like, that's crazy. And um, and, and I mean. To an extent, too, I mean, it, it's immoral. I mean, yeah. a, a person works 40 hours a week and, and grinds super hard and they can't even afford to not work more than one job or less than two jobs. Like, that's that sucks. Yeah, and it's, it's not just the job situation here, but, you know, one of the other issues that I'd really like to focus on is housing. And this is one mm -hmm. that um, sort of disproportionately uh, falls on the shoulders of, of young people in Hawaii. Mm -hmm. But, you know, across the board, um, people struggle to save up to own a home. People struggle to pay rent. Mm. Um, you know, there's so many families where there's multi-generational folks here. One of the best anecdotes that I heard uh, the other day, and it, best is maybe not the right word, but um, there are many Hawaii families that are one fight away from being homeless. Sure. Maybe yeah. a, a son-in-law, you know, living with his father-in-law or, or what have you. And, uh, you know, that's, that's such a sad situation to be in, but here we are, you know, 60,000 housing units short 
and you know not building any new rentals affordable rentals anything like that we have a huge section 8 waiting list um, and and we we need somebody somebody who can take on this challenge and and do something about it so, so speaking I, of taking on challenges can uh, I can I ask one question sure. off that actually sure so you mentioned that we're not building enough affordable housing and that is a huge issue and it's come up with every politician we've talked to and a lot of non-politicians what would be your plan to help alleviate that problem yeah well i think you can look at my track record with the construction lines josh gave a great introduction um you know just a few minutes ago but in this role we brought you know the the unions together our fifteen thousand members build housing across the state have for decades um and many of our members can't even afford to live here in Hawaii um, in the way that they'd like to. So what we did was we brought together all the stakeholders who have some uh, part of building affordable housing, landowners, the development companies, um, labor, of course, our contractors, architects, engineers. And, and we sat in a room and said, you know, what little sacrifices could we all make to help create more affordable housing. And, and through those conversations a few years ago, we were able to pass a bill at the legislature two sessions ago to expand the GET exemption on affordable rental construction. So your materials are GET free, your uh, development costs, your payments to the contractors, all of that GET free, that, sha that shaves off four and a half percent from the cost of building. Which can be the difference between whether a deal pencils out and whether it doesn't. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, so we went to the city council and through the leadership of uh, many of my uh, friends there, we are able to pass some property tax relief as well for affordable rentals that are income restricted to uh, 80% AMI and 120, 140. And, um, you know, that's also going to make a difference. You take away that property tax and, you know, hopefully that, that translates into lower rents for the eventual tenants. So we'll keep on doing that. You know, we'll keep on looking at ways we can change the economics. You know, you can try to legislate affordable housing into creation all you want. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, somebody has to build it. Somebody has to operate it. And government needs to play a part in actually making it happen, not just wishing it into existence. Agreed. I mean, agreed in spades. We, last week, we interviewed Ernie Martin. And uh, I think we were both pushing him a little bit on... You know, it sounds good. Everybody likes to say affordable housing the same way everybody likes to say we're going to help take care of our keiki and our kapuna. But then uh, nobody's funding long term care facilities. Mm -hmm. Nobody's funding educational facilities. It sounds great on a, you know, you, you want to put your Hawaiian words right out front whenever you're waving signs and whenever you're on campaign ads. But like, what are people actually going to do? So it's, it's I mean, hopefully all of that will be what you're talking about will be more of a trend for the future because we need stuff like that happening. Um, among you know numerous other challenges now you've got the the expertise you know you just described uh your your work with hca and the, the policy chops you've had to develop um speaking of challenges you're taking on an incumbent uh, who filed today carol fukunaga um as well as some other qualified candidates in the race so why did you decide to jump into a primary fight and i guess what sets you apart because when you run against an incumbent it's not enough to say i'm great vote for me you also have to convince somebody to not vote for the status quo yeah you know um you're absolutely right a lot of people when i first jumped in and asked them you know would you help me to say what what are you doing you know this is such a crazy endeavor taking on um an incumbent who has served in many other roles never easy in hawaii well yeah. in any state let alone in hawaii and and 
But, you know, my response is having been born and raised here in the district, I've seen how all of these issues that people talk about and complain about, you know, really haven't gotten better. And they're not going to get any better unless we, we have someone who can bring some energy, vision, aloha. Not to go back to the tagline. No, please go can, back to the tagline. You know, <laughs> it's, an it's an excellent tagline. Yeah, it sounds good. Just who, add who in the crippling student debt thing. There right? we go. Yeah. Um, who can really get things done. You know, I've, I've talked to a lot of people who say, oh, yeah, you know, I know... Um, I'm familiar with our incumbent. I say, well, you know, can, can you name something that um, she's done or that that's made your neighborhood or your community better? And I have yet to hear a really good response. Um, you know, and people, when I ask them, you know, what the issues are in their community, some people talk about the big picture things mm -hmm. um, from climate change, sea level rise, what have you. But most people talk about they're really hyper local, yep. very specific problems, potholes, trash. Yep. And I say, well, you know, yeah. how long has this been an issue? Um, I was in Kalihi today knocking indoors and uh, there's a, a drain on the side of Kalihi street that's uh, plugged and doesn't drain water off the side of the road. So there's this big puddle and asked me, how long has this been an issue? And they say, oh, two years. I'm like, you got to be kidding me that mm -hmm. no one from the city government has come in to clear this drain after the neighbors complaining and, and all of that for two whole years. You know, clearly, um, you know, we need a change and we need somebody who's going to roll up their sleeves and get things done. Yeah, all, all politics is definitely local. And uh, for, you know, we have a lot of listeners on the mainland outside Hawaii um, who may not understand, one, how much bigger our city council districts are than, for example, our state legislature districts. When you talk about the issues at the micro level, you know, District 6 is a huge district. Yeah. Um, tons of different neighborhoods, lots of variety. Can you just tell us a little bit about the different neighborhoods in District 6 and sort of like what you encounter place to place? Yeah, you know, um, you're right. I think District 6 is actually the most complex uh, district of all of them. I feel like when the uh, Reapportionment Commission drew the boundaries, we sort of ended up with um, the leftover, so to speak. You know, on the eastern side of the district, District 5 is uh, Ankobayashi's, which has... It's, it's, which is pretty easy to describe. Manoa, mm -hmm. Moili'ili, Palolo, most people get that easy. You know, on the other side, uh, Joy Manahan's district, Lower Kalihi, Salt Lake, easy. But then you get to District 6 and like describing the geography is uh, a challenge. But the best way that I've been able to describe it is, so Mauka of H1 Freeway, it goes from Punahou um, to Ka'amilo Street all the way in Aiea. And people say, what? It goes from Makiki to Aiea? Well, that's, that's the boundaries, the Malco of the freeway. And so it has all the ridges and valleys, um, Akiki, Tantalus, um, you know, Nuuanu Valley, Pa'oa, Liliha, Aleva Heights, Kalihi Valley, um, Moanalua, Halava, and Aiea Heights. And then Makai of the freeway has this real um, narrow band uh, from Ward to River Street. So as the western half of Kaka'ako, all of downtown or all of Chinatown, and each uh, district has its own unique set of problems, as you mm -hmm. mentioned. I mean, from Akiki, which is primarily um, walk-up apartment buildings, uh, very congested, parking's a huge issue, um, to some of the more established older neighborhoods, Pa'oa, Luliha, you know, where I grew up in Aleva Heights, um, older established neighborhoods, but, you know, some aging infrastructure, property crime, these things are on people's minds. Um, Kalihi Valley is a working-class district, and um, people there have have a lot of concerns about jobs and um, and also the infrastructure as well. It's a really wet area, so as I mentioned, you know that that drainage uh, issue comes up probably 
every few days, I mean, just with the, the morning Malka showers. And then out on the western end of the district, again, older, more established neighborhoods, um, you know, Moana Lua Gardens, Moana Lua Valley, Halava, Aiea. Um, a lot of families, you know, with older members uh, aging in place, you know, how we can, you know, make sure that there's programs for our seniors. Um, and as a millennial candidate, I think that's, it's an added burden to to try to talk to people mm-hmm. about um, what we're going to do for our seniors. But for a lot of people, I, I say, you know, myself, uh, my mom, we help take care of uh, my grandpa um, who has some health issues. So every Sunday we help them, you know, go get groceries and do all their errands. And, you know, so I understand how, how difficult it is um, to be a caregiver and, um, you know, empathize with all the folks out there who, are going through the same thing. And a lot of millennials, I mean, here in Hawaii do this, we all mm-hmm. live in, you know, multi-generational families and, you know, we all play our part to help take care of our uh, aging relatives. So you went to, uh, the Lord's school, Punahou and the Lord's school, the Lord's school, Lord, our, our Lord and savior, Barack Obama. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, uh, but you went to Punahou. Yep. You're our, you're our first ever Punahou guest. Oh, all right. Uh, obviously, I, I'm not from Hawaii. If you've listened at all, then then you know I'm, I'm from Alabama originally. Josh went to Iolani, and so he said he wanted to engage in a fist fight with you very briefly. Uh, an, an academic fist fight. An academic <laughs> fist fight. No, no, I'm kidding. No, I, I used so, to train at the Pololo Boxing Gym, so I don't know if you really want to do I, that. Bro, Josh, he trained, oh, Josh, he trained have, BJ Penn. Oh, oh no, maybe we do need to no, do this afterwards. Um, but Josh does have like <laughs> maybe about uh, like 10 inches of reach on me. You know, so. what? This, this is the exact same thing that befell me and why my, uh, why my basketball career, you know, you never want to peak too early. Yeah. Uh, eighth grade, you know, I had the height, I had the wingspan, but then by the time everybody figured out they could just outrun me and shoot over me. That's when that's when it was all downhill. <laughs> so you know, I'm 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 much more of a in all things armchair, like Got armchair it. quarterback, armchair commentator, armchair mixed you know martial what? artist. Armchairs are comfortable yeah. though. Uh, that said, let's talk about rail. Oh, let's. What are your feelings? What are your thoughts? I'm a strong supporter of our rail transit project. I actually take the bus myself. Um, living in town, I I just hate driving around in town and having to park my car and go up and down in garages and all of that. So I take the bus when I have meetings downtown. Um, I was Beaky user number 57. So I, uh, you know, ride around on the bike too to go grocery shopping because it's so much more convenient. Couldn't crack top 50, huh? Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, I just wasn't fast enough on, on the first day to sign up. Classic Punahou kid. Oh, I know. Gosh. Um, but, you know, so, so I see that Honolulu's future with rail mm-hmm. is so much better than Honolulu's future without it. And you're right about that. Yeah. yeah. And and being a rail supporter, though, I think it's incumbent upon um, us as, as supporters to make sure that it's done right. And I feel like our current city council um, has has repeatedly punted on a number of important questions when it comes to rail. Delicately put. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure I could say a whole lot more. But you there's know, a certain thing with a certain pooch that a lot of people would say they've done. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, we'll, we'll also talk about the feral animal problem uh, later on, which I guess we'll, we'll get there. No. Anyway, um, but when it comes to rail, you know, we have been talking about this project since 2004, 2005, the 2004 mayoral election. This is a big issue back then. Yep. Um, and here we are 14 years later and we have contracts out for the first three quarters of it. 
and it's it's well underway. Um, I've had the opportunity to visit uh, a number of the rail construction sites, and it's it's an amazing sight to see, and I'm excited to see it go all the way. But the council uh, over the past few years, again, has has not taken up the question about how to pay for its operations and maintenance. They haven't provided um, you know enough guidance to heart as to where the Alamoana station is the final station that's going to unlock the ability to go all the way to UH Manoa. And, and we've had years and years and years to talk about this. We've also had years and years and years to talk about TOD, and not all the TOD plans are completed. TOD, sorry, just for our uh, listeners. Transit-oriented development. So that's the uh, development that's going to go in and around the rail stations. And I hope that that includes um, a, a very robust program of affordable housing development. In TOD, by the way, I mean, for those of you listening at home, TOD is where this whole thing really makes sense, yeah. right? It's you know That's how it was originally sold, right? If, like, yeah. It's it's not in the rail itself, which is initially not going to have that high of a ridership. It's in the the development that goes on around the rail, which is a essentially a generations worth of development work and uh, economic benefit, yeah. if only one generation. Yeah, and and it's going to be us who I think are are right on that uh, the perfect timing to enjoy you know uh, the benefits if we can get it if we can get all these questions figured out, and so. I'm not scared to go into the council if I'm lucky enough to be elected and, and start raising these questions. In fact, I look forward to having these discussions because we can't keep kicking the can down the road as to how we're going to pay for the operation, operations and maintenance, how we're going to, you know, maybe it's going to take um, some financing districts around the stations to, to take the, some of the property tax that uh, would be generated in those development areas, whatever, whatever it is. We need to have those conversations. What would you say to people who say, well, you know, you're from the construction side of the industry. Why would we trust that you are going to be uh, an advocate for the city's interests and for the citizens' interests sure. rather than the interests of the people that you've... What about all your, yeah, all your, just to play devil's advocate, you know, the, the, the cynical view might be, well, of course, you know, he's going to say that. He's Hawaii Construction Alliance. His people got to get paid. Well, and then, yeah, and then even if, you know, to take it even a step more cynical is like, well, you know, well-funded campaign you know somebody's yeah, gonna make right. that argument right hawaii construction lines of course you're, you're gonna be super pro rail because yeah. that's who's running our budget over please right. dispel dispel these myths right now yeah you know i think the the cynical uh, position politics is you know you, you uh, take a job or employed or what have you and then you immediately change your view and and comply with whatever uh your employer says well I, i've been a supporter of this project from the very beginning way before i mean way before i even went off to college when I was in high school, we were talking about this project. Where'd you go to high school? Uh, oh, Punahou. Oh, yeah. oh, I've Memphis, heard of it. Yeah. Never heard of it. <laughs> Small school, right? Small yeah. Um, and, and I remember back then saying, you know, sitting in traffic, I drive to school. I was so thrilled to get my driver's license in my junior year. And then the, the reality of like sitting in traffic for like 35 minutes a day to go three miles or however much it was uh, from Punahou to Level Heights. I mean, it's, it was crazy. And it's still, and it's worse today, even more crazy. And so it's, it's frustrating to me that um, there's a lot of politics wrapped up in rail. And, you know, the, the council hasn't provided the sort of firm decision-making direction that, that this project needs to be successful. And they've kicked the can down the road on a number of important questions. And we see this all over the country where politics gets in the way of important projects. And then in the end, we all say, man, we should have done it this way or that way. One of the uh, common bonds is... If you just take the politics out and just make the hard decisions and go, we'd be a much better place. And so, I mean, but to come back to that question, though, I mean, if you've got friends and connections in the industry and you're an advocate for the industry, then 
doesn't that compromise your ability to act impartially on issues of construction, especially major construction, the, the biggest construction we've ever done? You know, I, I see how people would say that. But the flip side to that is nobody on the council has any experience working with contractors, working with engineers, understanding how our procurement process affects um, the final product. And if you look at many of the issues that a rail project has encountered along the way, in fact, the whole reason why the fourth guideway contract, uh, guideway contract from Middle Street to Alamoana hasn't gone out is they've gone back and forth about what kind of procurement method would be of most value. Um, and in those discussions, I can say that, you know, we were never asked sort of what we think would provide the best value. I don't know how many of our, our contractors out there were asked to provide their input. Instead, they left it to some consultants to come up with it, and they still haven't figured it out. And I hope that, um, you know, the next council can provide that direction and, and we can move forward. Um, so, you know, to all those people who say, man, how can you be impartial? Well, here's the reality. None of our council members, none of our politicians are impartial of this. All of them bring their past experience. Surely not. Right? Gosh. Oh, um, giving away the bag. But, you know, it, it's going to take people who have some experience, some, you know, real knowledge of this and, and can speak with some specificity on um, all of these issues to really ask the tough questions. You know, I'm sure that you've all seen coverage of the budget hearings, all of that. And all the questions that get asked are like pretty basic. I, sometimes I like sit in the gallery and think, you know, this is all in black and white. Whatever question you just asked, like, is literally in this report, like on the first page. Like you just got to read it. Right. Yeah. Really, the questions that should be asked are like things that aren't on there. Yeah. And dig and keep on going. And having some background actually in the construction industry is a benefit. Other issues that the city faces are construction related as well. Our roads, our road repaving program. Yeah, sure. I mean, you go down the list. Yeah. infrastructural upgrades across the board. I mean, we have a major drainage issue that needs to be addressed. We have, yeah, we're, we're lacking in a lot of infrastructural things yeah. that having somebody with the experience would help. Speaking of construction, uh, what are your thoughts on monster homes? Ah, this is literally my favorite topic. Okay. Um, I've spent... Perfect. You, you mean the History Channel show where they turn your garage into a... You mean the other kind? The other kind. You mean the other the, kind. The giant ones. The, in fact, as we sit here in Kaimaki, if we looked out the window, there's probably about 20 of them that we the can not, point The out. not as fun one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I saw one episode of, I think it was Monster Home, where they this guy was lazy and they put a pneumatic tube from his living room into his kitchen so that somebody could put a beer in the tube and then have it pop out in front of him. That's actually a brilliant idea. Yeah. Will you, will you promise that right now to the residents of District 6? Um, I, I can't make that promise, <laughs> no. uh, but you know, we, we can look into it. Okay. That's, yeah. All right. Yeah. So back to the other ones. Um, but you know, monster homes is something that has come up in the media, um, in uh, quite a bit over the past few months. Um, I was on the Liliha neighborhood board for six years, uh, from 2011 to 2017. And this issue actually came up all the way back. I want to say it was like 2014, 2015, when the very first like emblematic monster home came up on Hoftailing. And I remember sitting there with one of my fellow board members, Carol Kaapu, and, and we asked, like, what is up with this like apartment building looking thing mm -hmm. in between two very old homes on Hoftailing? Like, how is this permitted? And we never really got a good answer. Lo and behold, you know, along the way, other sort of buildings popped up. From the construction industry side, we've been 
digging deep into the, the network of realtors and contractors and architects and engineers that are involved in building this. And it is astounding the sort of things that we find. Um, just this past week, we discovered that um, a contractor had been building all across this island, 17 active permits, but his license was forfeited back in December. And so he was continuing to build up until May. So who should, who should have, in terms of oversight enforcement, who should be catching that sort of thing? Ah, so this is um, a really, you bring up a really good point. It's both the responsibility of the state and city regulatory agencies and the feds to some extent with um, safety, mm. uh, with OSHA. Um, to be looking into this and the problem is these agencies don't talk to one another mm. and i think in many ways they're sort of reticent to talk to one another last legislative session um, we put in a resolution through uh, one of the reps to create an interagency task force to provide a venue for all of these agencies whether it's a permitting department on the city side or the licensing contractor licensing on the state side um, to actually start talking to one another so that a situation like this where this contractor lost his license on the state side but the city didn't know about it or didn't realize it for months until it was brought to their attention so some a situation like that doesn't happen again um if elected to the city council i will absolutely uh take these on and i'm not afraid to take them on there are lots of people in the construction industry who said hey you know you're, you're giving all of us a bad name and i said no all of you are licensed mm -hmm. it's the people who are unlicensed people who are working unsafely, people who, um, you know, are, are building these giant homes without regard for the building code or zoning code. Those are the ones who want to crack down on all of you who are just renovating grandma's house are totally fine. Will you try to zone them out of existence? I think that, um, part of it is the zoning part. I would love to have a holistic conversation about, you know, how we stop this from affecting our older, you know, single family home neighborhoods. But part of that is a larger conversation about how we build, you know, more of the walk-up apartments in areas that, you know, had them for many, many years. But actually, I, I can't think of uh, a walk-up apartment building that's new in the past 20 years. Um, you know, uh, in areas, in, in some parts of this island, uh, Lower Kalihi, what have you, nobody would bat an eyelash if a new walk-up apartment came up. In fact, it would be uh, probably a good thing. Uh, bus lines there. Uh, you know, rails coming in. Mm -hmm. um, and that's where the need is. And so, you know, we should have this conversation. What are your thoughts on the Young Street bike pedestrian corridor? Ah, Young Street. That's, uh, that's one that's been there for a very long time. Um, and I've actually ridden a bike down Young Street because uh, it's easier for me to get to Safeway that way. Um, you know, I, I think it works on Young Street. Um, the shared you know, bike sharrow and, and drivers and parking. It seems to work. And I'm really glad that it works. Have and you actually heard the, we were talking to Chair Martin and he said, you know, this came up a dozen years ago and has come up again. But I'm curious on your thoughts. I'm sure the businesses there would have a lot to say about it. But, um, you know, I think, again, with the background of the construction industry, working with our contractors and engineers, I know that there's an engineering solution for practically anything. Um, and, you know, if, if that's the direction that the city wants to go, and I hope we study it and look at all the alternatives. And if it works, you know, let's pursue it. But if it doesn't work, if it's going to cause more problems than it would solve, you know, then obviously we, we shouldn't. Um, you know, I, I don't know if Young Street is, is quite the right street to totally close down all the way. It's, it is a pretty important corridor um, between, you know, King and Baratania and provides the two-way traffic alternative there. 
Um, but there's a lot of other streets. The city actually went through this uh, in closing part of Hotel Street. In fact, much of Hotel Street um, many decades ago. But it's worked out. We got the buses going down there. Lots of people walking around. Um, a lot of homeless, but you know that's uh, not not the fault of the street being closed. Yeah, arguably the Young Street closure worked great because it's now become the restaurant core for the entire city, yeah, right? Maybe. I mean, it's the restaurant and bar core and where people want to be. Yeah, you know, this is actually another thing to, as a total aside issue, yeah. um, and as a millennial who likes to eat out and go to bars and you know all the cool fun things. One thing that perplexes me is Honolulu does not have a lot of outdoor dining or a lot of rooftop dining. And you go to all these other cities, DC, you know, even in cold places. Like mm -hmm. I remember being in like a rooftop bar in Minneapolis. Mm -hmm. um, I'm like, how the heck do they have a rooftop bar in Minneapolis? But they do. And and we don't here in Honolulu. And we, we have just the great weather. We just don't think outside the box. Yeah. And on a lot of stuff. And that brings me to the actual the question that I was wanting to ask in follow up is can we trust you to think outside the box? Can we trust you to be that guy that's going to push back against, you know, don't make waves type politics? Absolutely. I mean, I've taken so much heat for different things uh, from the construction line side, but, you know, we pushed forward on it because it was the right thing to do. Um, this is sort of a dry topic, but uh, a few years ago, um, I put in a bill at the legislature um, through the labor chair to increase fines for people that violated um, wage and you know, other standards. And our contractor said, what are you doing? You know, what if we make a mistake and get caught up and, and whatever, we don't want to get fined. And I said, Hey, you know, this is the right thing to do. And we mm -hmm. have to do it. The fines were like a hundred dollars. They were like a slap on the wrist. Um, and you know, granted back in 1959, a hundred dollars was a whole lot of money. Um, today it's not. And so we raised it to, uh, I think it was like $10,000 to the point where it's like really, you know, punitive, but it was the right thing to do. And I stand by that. And, you know, on the city side, um, there's lots of things that we're, we're going to have to do that, you know, some people are going to like, some people are, aren't, but that's the nature of the beast and we shouldn't be afraid to do that. Now, of course, we shouldn't get there without extensive discussion and explaining the pros and cons, but simply to be afraid of, of doing the right thing, you know, that's not what we need in a leader. In Thailand, you can get 20 years in prison for insulting the king. In Honolulu... You can get 20% off at Royal Thai Garden for mentioning the Blue Hawaii podcast. Royal Thai Garden, Eva Beach, 96706, the best Thai food, the best lotion food, the best shrimp. Everything is good. Just go there, eat it. It's great. Mention Blue Hawaii podcast, get 20% off. 20%. Blue Our last question that we ask of everybody, every single guest, what's your favorite restaurant in this city to go to and what do you get? And you can give us two because we've been giving people two. We've, we've yeah. kind of we've loosened it up lately. It used to be just one, but what we've be, been doing like, is it was all time favorite. But now there are more. You you can have more than okay. one favorite depending on the time of yeah. day. Yeah, and, and it time could of be situation. like what we've been saying is like one like casual place, yeah. one like date night. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Or, or one like you got a you got friends coming in from out of town. And you want to be like this okay. is that's a good one too. This Perfect. is why like um, friends coming from out of town. Moku. In okay. Okay. Yeah. Lots solid. of fun stuff to do. Lots of, you know, farm fresh ingredients, what have you. So that's an, that's an easy one. What do you get? Um, ooh, it depends. Uh, their pizzas are really good. Um, what else have I gotten there recently? Um, that roasted veggie platter is, like, great to share. Sure. Um, so that's Moku. One place that's, like, 
totally off the beaten path is To Chow, which is a Vietnamese pho place on River Street. Ooh, never There's heard like of it. A line. Oh wait, is it at the corner of River and? It's on. It's on River between King and Hotel, and it's from the outside. It like it's dingy and dark and whatever, but there's a line outside on like Sunday mornings, and there's a reason why. It's it's the best pho. It's pho right. on on the island. That's okay, and, To um, Chow, really solid wreck. So. Are they number, open for number, lunch? They are open from 7 a.m. to like 2 p.m. every day. And the ladies who work in there are like the hardest working people and have the best memory, by the way. If you go there once, they will remember your order. That's for awesome. The rest of eternity. Which pho do you get? What do you get? Um, I get the number five large. Okay. And I get a salted <laughs> You've been there a time lemonade. or two, huh? Yeah, I get salted <laughs> lemonade. And walk in and she and, and the lady just sort of, you know, says, she just oh, knows. number five large. Okay, good. Yeah. Did you say number five, salted lemonade? Salted lemonade. So it's basically like leaking, you know, that like, lemon leaking moy like stuff no 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 so the 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 lemons which are preserved and sort of like dried and shriveled up they put that in to uh soda water and they kind of mix it up and let it soak so it's both sweet and salty and tangy and uh it's it's amazing that's a a great hangover cure not that i've ever had a hangover you've never had a hangover you're running for running for elected office um and what about date night where do you go date night Ooh, that haha uh, if I had a date night, um, <laughs> after, the, after the campaign, yeah, yeah after the go. campaign, you can take go. me on a date, man. I'm, oh, a, I'm right. a, I'm a good date. Take us, to, yeah, take us out to get some fun. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, I'm trying to think of like a good, good place. Herringbone in Waikiki. Mm, that's a good one. That is a good one. Um, You're our first person who's recommended a Waikiki restaurant, I think. I think it's like a millennial thing. You know, all of like my parents are like, why do you want to go into Waikiki? We're, so I don't, we're not as scared to go into Waikiki anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 You're still scared? Scared is the wrong word. Going to Waikiki sucks. Why? Well, I mean, if you have to drive. Okay, so this, I think, goes back to like, so I move into town. I live in Kaka'ako. I take the bus into Waikiki. Yeah. I used to take Uber and it was like 12 bucks. And then I realized like the bus is two two seventy five, yeah. and it takes and runs the exact same like amount of time. Yeah. 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 And, it, yeah, it's, and I, there's not that many stops on the way between. Yeah. No. You can get Kaka. anywhere. Yeah. Waikiki, especially anywhere in Honolulu. You can I normally take my bike if I go to Waikiki. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's, I think because you don't have to pay about, excuse me, you don't have to worry about parking. You don't worry about anything. Herringbone. What do you get at Herringbone? Ooh. Um, depends. You know, okay. Sorry. If you like, uh, fish they have this um like the calamari is pretty good i remember um oh another great sort of like drinks before date night whatever um the bar at the modern honolulu like oh, that's a good bar, one. Yeah. great sunset you know, it looks over um alawai boat harbor mm-hmm. uh so you got that sort of like very quintessentially hawaii uh feeling um so yeah okay i will say one other uh thing that i i do on my social media being a like young candidate whatever um, every Friday, I profile a restaurant in the district. It's called Interesting. Friday. So you oh, so you, you're out. ripping us off is what you're saying. I guess so, when yeah. When did you announce your candidacy? <laughs> Back in February. And so uh, every we, week since we then. We got we're... you by four weeks. Yeah. Uh, okay. You'll get when a lawsuit about that. Like, uh, please send our royalty check to... <laughs> yeah. yeah. BlueHawaiiPod at gmail.com. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. Those are three good shout outs. Yeah. Anything else you'd like to say to the people of District 6 or Hawaii at large? Well, you know, 2018 is is really an important election. Everyone says this is the most important election, you know, thus far. Um, and in sort of a selfish way, being a candidate in this election cycle, I'd posit that it really is. You know, our homelessness issue, our affordable housing issues, crime in our neighborhoods, our, the state of our infrastructure, all these issues just keep, you know, keep kicking the can down the road. And it seems like 
nobody is addressing them. And so I think it's time for uh, some new leadership, leadership with energy, vision, and aloha to, to take on these problems. And I'm not afraid to do that. And so I'd ask for uh, everyone in District 6 to uh, consider my candidacy, Tyler Dos Santos Tam for Honolulu City Council. Tyler Dos Santos Tam, ladies and gentlemen, candidate for District 6 City Council of Honolulu Blue Hawaii Podcast. Blue Hawaii. Blue Hawaii. Blue Hawaii.